We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So we've seen the shift and been talking about it, that move from those high-flying high-growth tech names that have done so well for nearly two years now and that shift to more value stocks. And we've now even seen the market accelerate a bit to the downside and it's gotten a little violent and scary for a lot of investors. And that's exactly what we're talking about on today's Gains Podcast. What to do when markets start to slide. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gains. All right, so let's bring on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. Chuck is also author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. So as I mentioned in the lead coming into this, markets, we've seen a shift from growth and the high-tech, high-beta growth names and technology and what worked the last couple of years, and we saw that shift to value. And now... We've seen, you know, further into the new year, just a straight, straight off sell off. So, as mentioned, bringing in Chuck Carlson. Hey, Chuck, uh, glad to have you on the Gains podcast. Well, thanks for having me, and it's always nice to uh, chat with you. Uh, wish we were chatting after a better day in the market. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, with the suite. I, we're talking after a pretty extreme day, but we've seen uh, a bit of a sell off for a while now. Um, you know, I talked about uh, those high beta high-moving tech names uh, that have uh, sold off as of late. Uh, the NASDAQ is right now, uh, as the recording of this gains episode, 10% off uh, its highs. So uh, we're starting to see uh, the market give away here a little bit. And so we wanted to talk, we, we've recently talked about shifting from growth to value. And that. And for a lot of folks, that, that's been a pretty decent play. But we are starting to see uh, selling accelerate to the downside and that's why we brought you on chuck is uh to talk about managing that not losing your head but also exploiting it to make those major gains we all seek um with the market selling off here we've seen a bump in the treasury yield a lot of the themes we've been talking about on the gains podcast have come to fruition um how do you see the market right now and um when do you start looking to 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 nibble well as you know we we kind of view uh, the market and try to get a handle on on its primary trend and that's the the, the trend that typically lasts anywhere from you know eight to 14 to 22 months the the, the macro 
trend. And, and we use, as you know, a tool called the Dow Theory to kind of discern the primary trend. And the Dow Theory looks at the Dow Industrials and the Dow Jones Transportation Average. And from their movements and their movements versus one versus the other determines whether the primary trend is bullish or bearish. Right now, you know, to answer your question, it's a, it's a long wind-up <laughs> answering question, Andy, but um, it's helpful to provide some background. And right now, the, the Dow Theory still is on a bull market signal. The primary trend of the market is still bullish under the Dow Theory. It has not changed. Now, I can we can talk a little bit about what would change that here uh, and give specific points on both of those uh, averages. But right now, the primary trend is still bullish. And this does have a feel. Uh, because of the, uh, the the somewhat violent nature of more of a secondary correction within an ongoing bull market as opposed to a change in the trend from bullish to bearish. If, in Real fact, quick, it, why does it feel that way? Why does it feel that way now versus other times? Uh, well, typically, typically uh, secondary corrections are, are much more kind of violent uh, and, and brief. Um, they tend to uh, move sharply lower and and their main purpose is to scare the heck out of people and 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 skim the 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 froth that forms during you know sustainable market runs did, did a good and, job but, today but, doing that huh yeah, yeah i mean yeah that's a big characteristic it's it's like you know you get you know you don't get this this grind lower that just goes lower and lower and lower you get you get market moves where the market goes down you know percent and a half two percent in a single trading day and and that's what we've seen now the, the good news is these typically last anywhere from three weeks to three months and with time compression being a real thing in the markets over the last several years they typically last on the shorter end of that uh, that rather than the longer end so you know you can look at something that typically lasts uh, you know three weeks and, and just to kind of give you some guideposts there that interestingly the Dow Jones industrial average you know, just went to a new all-time high January 4th. So, you know, we're about two weeks into the market, you know, coming off of that uh, what was an all-time high. And that I think that was the same day that the S&P went to a new high as well. So, you know, we're two weeks into this, and it's been a pretty violent two weeks, and that's that's characteristic of what you see during secondary corrections. Now, Ultimately, you know, all secondary corrections ultimately do evolve into a bear market uh, when it's not a secondary correction. And, you know, in, in order to get a read on that, we would need to see both the Dow Jones Industrial and Dow Jones Transportation averages close below their previous significant lows. And in the, let me give you those numbers. In yeah, the take, 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 these, take, these, uh, take these levels down. This is something we work off of often. So, uh, you know, grab a pen, take these uh, key Dow theory yeah, I mean, levels you know, down. people are always wondering, well, when would the, you know, what would the Dow theory say it's a bearish trend? What, what, what should I be looking for, i.e., what is my plan? And, and oftentimes investors, you know, that's the big question they have is what, what's the plan, Chuck, um, you know, on accounts that we're managing and so forth. And, you know, what I tell them typically is, you know, when we, we use the Dow theory to give us some guidance, it's not perfect, but it's, it provides pretty good perspective and guidance. And here are the points that we're looking at. You need closes in both of the averages to have a trend change from bullish to bearish. And in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that low, that previous important low, is 34,022.04. So that's 34 
0.04, So, you know, we get a little room there um, still. Um, but again, the market, you know, markets can correct pretty, pretty fast, but we have a little room there. On the Dow Jones transportation average, we have a lot less room. Uh, the, the important low there is 15,493.55. That's 15493.55. And so we're, you know, a couple of hundred points above that level. Now, you need both of the averages to go below those previous lows. Uh, otherwise, you just kind of have noise in the market. It's like to reconfirm the bullish trend, we need a new high in the Dow Transports, even though we got a new high in the Dow Industrials January 4th. So we're in kind of a, you know, these typically sloppy, choppy markets that often accompany secondary corrections. But again, in, in order for the, the trend to change from bullish to bearish and for us to be more aggressive in terms of raising cash and being defensive on this market, you need a close in the Dow Industrials below 34.22 and a close in the Dow Jones Transportation Average below 15.493. Doesn't um, matter so what we'll outside of that, it doesn't matter the fundamentals. You're looking at that technical spot on the chart, and if it breaches that and closes below both of those, it, you will change what you're doing. I mean, is that a line in the yes. sand? I mean, yeah, that, it is. That, it you is. shift and, then and, and, and explain yes, that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a technical. It's looking at two points on a chart, but you know, the, the fundamental basis of the Dow theory is is that you know the indices provide a, a barometer on important areas of the economy. They provide kind of a window through you can peer through to see what's happening in in very significant sectors, industrial services, transports, et cetera, that are very important to the economy. And when you have those important barometers pointing downward and confirming one another and going below previous low points, it's, it's you know, it, it's an indication that the market being forward looking is just kind of saying, listen, there, there's some things coming down the pike here from an economic standpoint that probably are not going to be very good for corporate profits and and thus you know it's it's a reason to become a bit more defensive on the market now you know it's one thing to say the market goes from bullish to bearish it's another well what do you do with that and we are not all or nothing market timers in in, in the sense that if the dow theory would turn bearish um you know we're not going to take a, an account that could be 100 percent invested in stocks and take it to zero but, uh, you know what we will do is take some risk off the table and trying to provide some cushion uh, to the, the blow to the downside. But, you know, we're also pragmatic in a sense that, you know, Dow Theory could be wrong. Um, that oh, don't say to... that. Don't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> what, what are you, the Dow Theory wrong? I base my whole know, life I, philosophy I, off enough, of this. You know, if, no, if, I'm joking. Hey, listen, I'm joking. If they were perfect, you and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. Nobody would be able to find me, right? Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, there's nothing foolproof in the market. Nobody's tool. And no, again, I get that. The best, get that. <laughs> the best way you use tools is to give you some perspective on the market. But the, the other factor is, too, it's, you know, anytime you're making big bets one way or the other on the market, especially if you're pulling money out, you got to do that successfully over time. It's, I mean, you may get lucky and get out at the top, but you got to get back in. And, and the Dow Theory can help you get back in. But 
oftentimes what happens is that when people get out, and, and especially if they've made a pretty good call getting out, they find it very difficult to get back in because the market you know, either starts to go down significantly and they don't want to get in because the market's gone down, or the market turns and starts going up fast and they don't want to get in. They want to wait for it to pull back. So consequently, they never get back in. And, and, you know, and, and, and I'll admit, trying to call turns in the market, especially shorter term turns in the market, is very, very difficult to do successfully over time where you have to do it again and again and again. So, you know, we don't play that you're game. Wrong, we if you're wrong is, just one time, I mean, that can wipe out multiple yeah, times of being right. You know, it's a disaster. So, you know, what we try to do is listen, you know, play the odds, get perspective, um, use the doubt theory as a tool, look at the other factors in the market as well, such as, uh, you know, what's going on in inflation, what's going on in interest rates, and and then try to make some sort of uh, a judgment in terms of the allocation of stocks and what sort of stocks we want to do. And and take you know and and, and do some de-risking in, in the portfolio uh, and and to quantify that you know in a portfolio that might be 100 percent invested in stocks you know we have gone as low as 65 percent or 60 percent i don't believe we've ever gone below 60 percent since i've been here um but you know we're, we're that's a pretty aggressive um pulling money out of the market if if we're right it will cushion the blow it won't eliminate it um if we're wrong we still got skin in the game and we're not playing, you know, catch up from if we were, if we were totally hundred percent out of the market. So that, that's kind of how we, we operate. And again, no tool is foolproof. Dow theory has stood the test of time and does give you a pretty good perspective on the market. And, you know, we listen when it tells us to do something. And, and, uh, and it's funny, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, you know, we look at these, these technical spots on the chart to, uh, kind of decide what moves we're making, you know, using these technical levels on the Dow theory. And, and as, as mentioned, I it's funny how those technical levels eventually find fundamentals to, to make them come to fruition. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and again, I, 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 I'm not necessarily advocating that. I mean, there's a difference between looking at technical levels on indices like the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the S&P 500 or, or the Dow Jones Transportation Average, you know, or even the NASDAQ for representation among those sorts of kind of high, high growth stocks versus doing it on an individual stock, which is, is much more. A completely um, different animal. I'm glad you mentioned that. Right, uh, you know, the way and, you chart and, general markets versus an individual stock, uh, apples and oranges. Yeah, and so I, I, you know, I'm not sitting here beating the drum for technical analysis in all cases. I, I think that, as you kind of eloquently stated, if you have a fundamental basis for why those indices exist and and what they are uh, portraying about you know the, their their swath of of the economy and, and their swath of the stock market. Then you know I think there is some value in looking at them from a, a technical standpoint versus you know individual stocks. Now now I will say that I I do tend to look at an individual stock chart when when I'm looking at stocks and um, but but I don't have as high degree of confidence in uh, you know what that chart is telling me versus the fundamentals of the company, especially if I'm more of a long term investor where. You know, chart jockeying can be kind of a short-term thing for, with with individual stocks. So, well, that's why it's called um, the Dow theory, not the General Electric theory or the Coca-Cola theory. Exactly. I mean, uh, it, that's 
that's a, a really important distinction to make. And both have, I mean, technical analysis for the broader markets and individual stocks both uh, are, are great ways of doing this. But I, I have found that when you t- when you look at the broader sectors, technical analysis really works well. Like yeah, the Dow and, and again, it's a tool to to in your in your toolbox to kind of supplement other things that you're looking at too, and to try to you know give you confirmation on maybe some of the other tools that that you're using, or if it doesn't give you a confirmation, it gives you kind of food for thought. And um, and, and and again, all funneling down to what are you going to do? Because at the end of the day, we can all sit here and go, well, the, you know, the Dow theory is saying this and the Dow theory is doing that and this chart pattern is doing that. But at the end of the day, you got to do something with your money from a practical standpoint. So, you know, and that's really, you know, something that, to, that you develop over time is how do you kind of put these tools into actionable uh, advice and, and what do you, you know, how do you calibrate that in terms of how much defense you're going to play and so forth. And, and, and again, that's a, a great place to actually, uh, Stop it here for a second. We got to go to a quick break, and then we're going to talk about what do you do next with Chuck Carlson. Uh, real quick, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. Totally doing us a solid there. And then, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We do gains episodes on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. So we'll be right back with Chuck Carlson to talk about what to do next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Verizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. Chuck is also author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Hey, Chuck, real quick before we get into what to do next, uh, any plugs for the gains, listeners? I know you have a uh, also a a high growth uh, website that uh, gains listeners might be interested in as well. So I'm going to let you uh, do your plugs here, Chuck. Yeah, thank you, Andy. We we do publish 
Horizon Publishing publishes a newsletter that I think would be of, of interest to your listeners, um, especially those that are uh, have a bit of a more aggressive bent. And that newsletter is called Upside, and you can learn more about that at UpsideStocks.com. And there you can uh, uh, sign up for a, I believe it's a free 30-day trial too the the newsletter and uh again as as Andy mentioned it focuses on small and mid-sized companies and uh i will say this and i mean it just killed it last year it was really, like that, really right some big winners on that particular for, for list the, for the the picks in that newsletter so nice. i mean i'm obviously i'm biased but it, it had a very nice um year and and uh i take a look you can as i said there's a free 30-day trial you can go to the website, and that's UpsideStocks.com. All right. So as we move into what to do next, um, you know, one of the themes of the podcast today, rough markets, how to navigate, and uh, Chuck kind of set the table on where we're at with the Dow Theory. Uh, He sees this right now. The Dow Theory is telling us that we're having a pullback, a temporary, a short-term pullback, and still an overall bull market. You know, we got the, we have those levels, and again, I'm going to have uh, Chuck uh, go through those two levels: the Dow low, the Dow Industrial low, it's thirty-four thousand twenty-two point oh four for Dow Industrials, and then the low for the transports, much closer there. And, and by the way, uh, transports a leading indicator. That number is what, 15,493.55. If markets close below those levels, then that would change uh, the Dow theory from being bullish to bearish. So if that happens, how does investors navigate? It's not there yet, but what do you do? Uh, yeah, well, a couple of things. One, we'll, we'll, we'll go through, and investors can do this, is go through and kind of Look and see where they their their portfolios may may have the most risk, and that that could be quantified by, you know, if they are, if they have significant overweightings in a particular sector uh, or stock, they may want to take some of that risk off the table and, and trim those those concentrations. If they have some uh, kind of flyer stocks that they bought, um, and, and everybody does this, where they're not even sure why they bought them, but a friend told them to buy them, or they don't have a really good reason We've why they bought there. them in the first place, um, you may want to sell those. Uh, and then, and then finally, uh, you want to look at the allocation that you have in your 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 portfolio, and if it has diverged a lot from, say, what you feel your long-term allocation should be. You know, for example, let's say you were a 50-50 investor five years ago, and and you know with the strong markets, all of a sudden now you're at 65 or 70 percent stocks. You know you, you may want to try to get that a little bit more in line in terms of rebalancing to get closer back to what you want your long run um, uh, allocation to be. Uh, and the, and the last thing though is that don't forget to continue to look for opportunities to upgrade your portfolio. So. You know, if you start to see stocks that you wanted to own and you look and they are better than some of the stocks you do own, don't be afraid to pull the trigger and, and you know, sell the stocks and, and buy the ones that you, the new ones that you like better now. Because, you know, it's an excellent opportunity to upgrade portfolios during market declines. It's not easy to do, but, you know, smart investors who manage to, to do it and keep their head and continually grind it out to make sure that their limited investment funds 
are in their very best ideas, typically that tends to work pretty well for the long term. I mean, I, I've always thought, Andy, you 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 make your long term wealth during bear markets. You don't make it during bull markets. Oh you yeah, you totally make all the hay in in these down markets because you're getting. Yeah. It makes sense. You make you're getting shares at, at. You're basically getting the market on sale. And when yeah, and and one of the things to do during you know if you get into a significant market decline is make sure you have at least some of your investment money set on autopilot where you're you're not leaving it up to your emotion to invest but you have dividend reinvestments set up or you're in your company's 401k where you're continuing to put money in uh, it doesn't always feel great immediately um, admittedly sometimes you feel like a sap it's like geez i keep buying these things and it keeps going down but you know you're not going to be able to pick the bottom or, or if, if you do you're going to be darn lucky um, but so so the best case you can do is you know, take advantage of the declines. Make sure you you have some money going into the market on an automatic way, so you don't have to sit there and make that judgment. Um, and uh, you know, again, it may not feel great for you know 12, 24 months, but I can pretty well guarantee you, um, you know, two, three, five, ten years from now, you're going to be really glad that you were taking advantage of that and buying. And and that really goes for, uh, I think, your your primary audience, which. Uh, you know, it. Quite honestly, somebody right now who's you know is in their 20s or, or 30s or even their 40s. I mean, a market decline is a gift. It's not something that's that should be looked at all that badly because it's going to give you a chance to kind of reset things and get some money into some stocks that have, that have pulled back as long as you take advantage of it. Um, so yeah, don't 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 be bummed out. Uh, a lot of people get kind of disengaged from their investments and it's really the time when you need to be engaged and to continue to look for opportunities and upgrade your portfolio and that is what's going to make you wealthy over the long term you know we were talking about declines and that kind of thing now will you short the uh, market outright no we don't we typically don't i know some people will do that as a, as a way to kind of play the downside we typically do not um and part of that is quite honestly, I mean, we, we try to stick stick to our knitting and stick to what we do. And, and I don't think that that aspect of investing is really, a, a, well, it's not a core competency of ours. And, and quite honestly, shorting has become more difficult over time. You know, people used to do it in individual stocks until they get their head handed to them. And now they're doing it in, in ETFs. And, and yeah, you know. You know, some of these um, ETFs that uh, will short the market are at two or three times so you, you could like short the the dow at triple the, the you short can. and, now, these, now and, and they lose value returns, over though. time and so they're they're more you know i've seen Short-term. people who buy those things and don't understand the math where um yeah it, it's the daily move that's going to be amplified by the 2x or 3x the you daily know explain move. that because that's that's the key part to it because i i've actually seen situations where people have used those and they think, oh well, shoot, this particular thing has had a a huge twenty percent decline over three months, but it's on the daily. Explain the the, the danger of using that. That's important. Yeah, it, it's they're really basically that what what they're doing is 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 levering the return for that day, and that doesn't sound. Like, well, okay, well, big deal. Well, the problem is the way the math works over a period of time, price changes over time can get diluted. In other words, 
a 20% drop in that market over a six-month period isn't necessarily going to equate with, you know, a, a 3x to the upside move for you on that 20% shoot. I, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen them depending on how the daily movements are, where where people are still on the downside and they're sitting there going, I thought I, I thought I owned something that would, was going to go up when this thing went down. Well, yes, on a daily basis, but depending on how the cadence of those returns come in and the math of the daily, you know, the compounding on the day-to-day basis, it can have a dramatically different effect. So if, if you are using those, you know, just keep in mind, those are really geared for kind of day trading, quite honestly, and looking at how the, the performance is on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, again, I, I, we've steered clear of those. That's not to say some people don't make money in them, but um, they're, you know, they've got their shortcomings. And, and also to keep in mind, the, the long-term trend of the market is up. It's, you know, since 1926, stocks have gone up roughly three out of every four years. So anytime that you're really making an, a play against the, the upward trend of the market, you are betting against a, a, a pretty long historical probability. And that's not to say that you can't win that bet, and there are people that do, but I think there's also a reason why the number of people that short sell um, has has really declined over the years because, you know, they just get steamrolled by the market. Uh, you know, they they try to catch these short declines, um, but again, time compression is such that these declines don't last very long. And and so if you're not nimble enough to capture those downside, all of a sudden, you know, the market start moving a, away from you to the upside, and you find that uh, maybe shorting wasn't the best way to go. And like you mentioned, I mean, over the long haul, those often have deterioration, especially if they're double or triple baggers, you know, two times or three times the short or inverse or whatever um, ETF you're moving in and however you're playing the market. They, you know, they, they have shorts for the Dow, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. Uh, um, but again, th- they are a bit dangerous. And I've seen people really take it to the chin there. And even in times when they thought they would uh, make some money on it. So, you know, be careful with that. All right. So as we're kind of wrapping up, though, um, defensive plays, some moves that you would make uh, if you kind of smell a bit of a, a sell-off, but you still want to have, um, you know, skins in the market. And what makes sense for you when when we are seeing the market decline? You if you see maybe a further decline on the way. What are you doing there? Yeah, you know, I don't think it, it, it calls for dramatic changes to your investment profile because most of the time people are investing, should be investing really for the long term. Um, I, I still think it makes sense to barbell here where you have maybe growth stocks at one end of the, the, the bar and you have value stocks at the other end of the bar. I think that barbell approach has been reasonably effective. If I had to make a tilt, I probably would tilt a little bit toward value and I probably would give a little bit more of a tilt toward uh, energy, which has had a nice rebound, but it had gotten beaten up so badly over the last decade that it has what I think is a fair amount of room to run. Oh, and, you still and think finance. there's room to go in energy? Because we, we do, have seen it come yeah, back I mean, quite a bit. At, you know, it, there was a time, Andy, when energy represented, what, 15 to 20% of the S&P 500. I think it got as low as 2%. So it 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 had been dramatically oversold. Now, I'm not suggesting it's going to get back to 15 to 20 percent of the S&P, but I do believe there's there's additional upside in that. And 
and energy stocks have historically been a reasonable inflation hedge. So that's, that's what's been inflation. working for me. Uh, you know, the likes. Yeah. Now I'm I'm going a little more aggressive. Um, just to throw you a couple names that I'm in right now: Enterprise Product Partners (EPD). Uh, that throws a big dividend. Uh, a pipeline play there has held up really well. Uh, New Star Energy, another pipeline play, um, has held up pretty well for the most part. Um, you want to get super aggressive. I've thrown a couple of these names out there before. Frontline, um, the ticker FRO, uh, that's a uh, crude oil shipping play. That Some of those crude oil pipelines, um, shipping, they've held up really well. Um, they have, and they, you know, and one thing they do have, and I think this is another thing, if you want to tilt in your portfolio, that that when you look in, at this, the the areas in the market that have held up reasonably well here, um, a, a lot of them have a commonality of pretty good dividend yields. I mean, and and so you have investors seemingly flocking back to those companies that are paying, you know, two and a half, three and a half, five and a half percent dividend yields, and you can find that in you know in the energy sector, you can find pretty good yields in financials. Um, Tobacco is the one for me, um, you know, speaking of just big dividends in a place, I'm I'm, I'm parking a bulk of my cash, my powder that I'm keeping dry uh, for the most part, uh, waiting for the market to pull back here. Uh, Mine's in Altria. I love MO right now. You know, I get this big fat dividend for holding it. Uh, It's the, you know, it's held up really well as the market's sold off here, you know. So there are some plays. I'm sure you have some others. Uh, give us a couple. Yeah, I mean, in that sector, uh, uh, you like Galtry. I like uh, Philip Morris International, PM, uh, with a yield of about 5%. Uh, like in the oil, uh, we're fans of EOG, uh, EOG Resources. It's yielding almost 3%. Um, those, are, those are two names. If you want to dip into kind of the utility area uh, for additional uh, – Income, you know, a stock like uh, OGE Energy, OGE, the symbol yields, you know, over four percent. So, um, you know, those are areas that uh, that 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 are interesting that do provide dividend yield, which is something investors seem to want right now. Uh, telecom's and, another area, right? That 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 is, people yeah. flock to in these kind of things. I have one which is more of a a higher growth thing, but again, throws off a big yield. I've mentioned this recently on our podcast as well. I like actually Lumen Technologies, L-U-M-N, uh, used to be CenturyLink, or I'm sorry, CenturyLink, uh, throws off about an 8% dividend. That's my plain telecom. AT&T has been a, a T, the ticker on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you like in maybe telecom or some of these other? Uh, Verizon, Verizon is, is uh, one that, uh, yeah, that, that uh, has some appeal, and that has a dividend yield of almost 5%, so that would be one that we would consider as well. Anything in in uh, in the food like Coca Cola or or one of the anything in, in no, that area? We haven't done a whole lot in in that space. Um, just the the stocks are pretty pricey when you look at multiples. I mean, they have, some of those stocks have multiples that match, you know, Google. Um, yeah, so, and that's kind of scary when you have companies like yeah, you know. Google. So I, I and they can be a know, dividend trap, done, you know. Yeah, so, we haven't done a lot in that space. Um, any other areas that uh, you're looking for right now that uh, you could see some big gains maybe if the market sours even further? 
Yeah, no, well, I, I would if if it sours even further, I would go back to some of the tech stocks that that aren't aren't the crazy value tech stocks, but are ones that I I think are reasonably value where you can make an argument about their evaluation. You know, when I put at the top of that list, I mentioned it Alphabet, uh, which I think is for for a, a company growing like it's growing, where it, and what it'll continue to grow, you can buy that at a multiple that is that's pretty appealing to me. And, and another one in that same space is, is, uh, meta platforms, Facebook. Uh, I think that is, and then finally, uh, another one that kind of fits the bill of a, a nice, I don't, uh, you know, value play in technology with the dividend yield is, is Qualcomm QCOM, uh, where, you know, you can get a dividend yield of almost one and a half percent on a tech stock with good dividend growth. The stock has, has just started to pull back here, recently but you know in terms of that sector uh that's that's a that's kind of a favorite of mine right now so that's a that's an idea that i like quite a bit yeah you know we've talked uh throughout the gains podcast of being super aggressive getting in those names playing crypto kind of feels here that things are changing and uh, you know you may pull back on that those tactics it might not be as easy to make quick money nowadays uh as we wrap up the gains podcast just your thoughts on on you know at least the first part of this year you know it's probably going to be sloppy um it it, it, certainly the first quarter i mean you know there are a lot of headwinds out there in terms of interest rates inflation uh what's going to happen to corporate profits uh where companies seem to be getting pinched on the cost side of things, you know, what's going to happen with Omicron, is there going to be a new variant? So, you know, and, and again, keep in mind, we've, we're coming off three really pretty solid years in the market. So to have a, a breather in the first half or so wouldn't be surprising. I think the second half has a potential to be a, a, a better part of the year, especially if you start seeing uh, analysts marking down earnings estimates, because then that'll leave, that'll provide some room for estimates to, or analyst, or excuse me, companies to beat those lowered estimates in the second half of the year. So, um, yeah, the first half you might just it might be a grinder market. Uh, I think things might loosen up a little bit in the second half of the year. It, has the inflation factor now been fully baked into the market? I guess that's my last question for you. Well, I I, I hope because if if in fact it, it if it has been baked into the market, the market is saying that that's not going to be the, the, the killer of the market. Um, so I, I hope the market has fully discounted that. I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like that's the market is discounting that. I think at the end of the day, what is going to be the biggest driver as it usually is, is, you know, what happens to corporate profits and, um, you know, the, 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 we're going to get a much better read on that here in the next two, three, four weeks is, corporate earnings season really gained some steam. We've had a few uh, releases so far this year um, that haven't been great, uh, especially in the financials. I mean, you had Goldman get killed today. You had J.P. Morgan not look so good, and they were both getting beat up on the cost side of things. Um, You know, things will start to really come out in earnest, uh, you know, beginning tomorrow, but really over the next couple of weeks. So we'll get a better handle on corporate earnings and, importantly, the guidance companies give for 2022. You mentioned how important corporate profits are. There are three things that generally move the market. You know, we've talked about this for years. One of them is corporate profits. Give the other two. 
Yeah, inflation and interest rates, corporate profits, inflation and interest rates. And, you know, it, it, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of noise in the market about why the market's doing this or why the market can't do that or whatever. But if everybody just takes a step back and look at those three things and then try to figure out where they are in terms of on the bullish or bearish side of the ledger, it gives a pretty good perspective. Right. I and mean, sometimes the just the mo- most boiled down look at things. I mean, that makes sense. Those are the three key things. And like I mentioned, you and I have talked about this for years. Those really are the three key drivers for uh, the direction of the stock market for the yeah, most they part. they really aren't. And if you look at them real, real quickly, you know, you've got interest rates that are rising, but they're still not at levels to me that are pricing in attractive alternatives to stocks. Uh, that could change, but I, I would say interest rates right now are probably neutral at worst. And then you look at inflation. Inflation has certainly moved out sharply, and that's kind of a bugger boo. We can put that in the bearish column right now. And then you've got corporate profits, which I still think are tilting toward bullish. So you got a bullish, you got a neutral, and you got a bearish, and consequently you get kind of a choppy, sloppy market like we've seen. So, you know, how those things kind of resolve themselves over 2022 uh, and, and, you know, which ones move to the bullish side or the bearish side of the ledger, that will have a lot to say with how the market performs this year. Well, thanks to Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond, Uh, Chuck, also author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Well, hey, thanks again for uh, joining us on the uh, GAINS podcast. Anytime, Andy. Anytime. All right. We'll be sure to talk to you again soon. And as uh, mentioned, as always, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option. Subscribe, turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We are back on Thursday, and we will see you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.